Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good to see everybody today. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. We're here. We're here. We're together. I'm glad you made it, and uh, I want to just say I'm, I'm excited about not only what God's doing in our church, but I feel like that God is on the move, thank you, in, in our nation. And I'll just mention a couple of things. Uh, earlier this week, out in Wilmore, Kentucky, there's a, a school out there, a university called, uh, what's it called? Asbury. And it, they, they were supposed to have a one-hour chapel service where the students get together. And, and, and what happened is that one hour turned into two hours, turned into four hours, turned into eight hours. And it started on Tuesday, and it has not stopped. And now hundreds of people are coming from all around the, all around the country to go and experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then it's begun to spread like to, to other communities far beyond Kentucky. And, and I believe that there's a, a sense in which there's something prophetic in that, that outpouring. But it's right in the middle of our country, like in the heartland of our nation. And I feel like God's saying, I want to touch this nation. And, and I'm present. And everyone who's turning to me is going to receive a visitation from me. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want us to miss it. I don't want any of you to miss the chance to experience a visitation and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so we we will not settle for just going through the motions. We we will move forward into the things that God has for us. And I think that if God's on the move right in the middle of our nation, there's like a prophetic call almost for the rest of us to pray. And, And I don't know about you, but I look at the United States of America, and I feel like we are due for an awakening, not only a bit of revival, but an awakening. Like, we need to plead for God to come and bring an awakening to our nation, because there are are, are so many ways in which there's this monolithic kind of uh, perversion that's taken place. And God's people, we need to stand up and say, no, 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 no. I'm going to give my whole heart to the Lord and plead for our nation. I want to just do it right now. Can we just pray? Let's just pray right now. Just pray with me. Let's lift our voices. And God, we want to pray for our country. We're grateful for revival breaking out in Kentucky, right in the middle of the country. We say, blessed Lord. And all of those young people that are going to that thing, God, that they would get so full of the Holy Spirit that you would totally change the course of their lives and that there would be a revival that would spread across our nation. Come on, lift your voices with me. God, we pray for the United States of America to have an awakening. God, that people hearts would be drawn back to you, to your holiness, to your perfection, to your beauty, to the standard of your word, God. I pray that you would cause us to hunger as a nation, as a whole bunch of people, 330 million of us hungering for you, God. I ask for that prophetically. Come on, lift your voice. Lord, we pray for our country, that you would touch us, God, that you would touch our country, God, that you would bring an awakening to your presence, your power, and your standards. Lord, we're asking for visitations like what's happening in Kentucky to spring up all around this country. And from one place to another, the fire would get carried, and it would ultimately be inside of people's hearts, a fire for you, God, burning brightly, so so that we would walk away from sin, so that we'd walk into your presence, so that we'd walk in your ways, God. 
I pray, Father, that you would cause this fire to burn so bright that we would stand back a few months from now and say, look what God did. We ask for this, God, for an awakening in our land. Come on, lift your voice with me. God, we don't want to play games here. Lord, we want your spirit to come. We need revival and awakening in our land. God, we pray that even now, you would cause some people who are stuck in a demonic mindset to be broken free, that they'd be able to see that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that your word is eternal and is what lasts. God, we're asking for a, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our nation. Protect us, God. And Lord, we're asking, Father, while we see revival breaking out and balloons getting shot down and tensions of war and tremblings of earthquakes, God, you've got our attention. God, you've got our attention. God, you've got our attention. God, we're looking at you. We're not playing games. God, we're looking at you. God, we're looking for your power to come. We want to see your wonder-working power in our country, in our lives, in our nation. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We're not just playing it. God, we want you. God, we want you. God, we want you. God, we want you. We need you. We need you, Lord. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you, God. I pray, Father, that you would really and truly allow, allow wave after wave of revival and awakening to, to go throughout this country. Like that, that, that would be like a, a big old stone got dropped right in the middle and the ripple effects would spread all across, all the way to New York and Maine and Florida and all the way to California and Seattle and Portland and New Mexico, everywhere in between, God. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our nation. Lord, we ask for your spirit to move mightily. Bring us back, the collective, all of us. Bring us back to you, God. Bring us back to you, Father. Bring us back to you, Lord. We need you. Amen, amen. Amen. Church, we've got to keep on praying. We've got to seek the Lord. And pay attention prophetically when there is something springing up from the ground like that. You just got to notice it and say, wow, God's doing something. Thousands of college students that with a, a nonstop time of worship and encounter that they weren't planning on, and now it's going on four days, n- night and day. I love that. But it's for us too, as much as we want it. <laughs> so uh, this is part two of Faith Moves. If you were to come and uh, stop in in my office over across the way and uh, come in there, you would see that on my bookshelves, I have a bunch of items. And you, you might look at them and go, it looks like a bunch of kitsch, like random things that someone bought at a gift shop or something like that. It's what it looks like. But to me, every one of those things has a, a deep significance. It represents a milestone or a, a, a relationship or, or a connection with with somebody or something that happened. And, and so it, it means something to me. And one of those things is a telescope. And the, the way that, that I got that was I had a, a meeting with a woman who, who's called Patty, Patty Marine. She, she was, back in the day, part of the vineyard movement, working directly with John Wimber and um, part of the songwriting, actually, that came out of the vineyard movement. She was an older dear sister to me in our church. And she would frequently you know, say, I need to meet with you. And she would have a, a prophetic word or, or something from the scripture to speak to me or whatever. And I always made time because I knew God would, would have something 
for me through her, prophetically. This was about 12 years ago. Patty came to my office, and, and she sat down, and she took a deep breath, and then she just stared at me, like just stared at me, and then just stared at me some more. And it was awkward. And, and then she pulled out of a bag this thing, and it was a telescope, and she gave this to me. And, and I was uh, trying to say thank you, and she literally like, did like this, as if to say, this is not about thank you. Don't, this is not about that. And then she looked at me, and she said, this is a prophetic gift. And she said, John Hansen, you see. You see. Keep looking. Keep looking forward. Keep looking ahead. And keep looking into the spirit. John Hansen, you see. Keep looking. And I don't even remember whatever happened next in that meeting, except that she left. And, and, and it, it made a, a, an indelible impression on me, this moment with Patty Marie, one of actually several. But she left this, this telescope. And I, it, you know, I, I have this telescope on my shelf, and it reminds me of that moment. And I want to just share this with you. And in this message today, I want this to be almost like a prophetic symbol for you as you're thinking about the rest of what I will share from God's word. And if you think about it, this thing has, has a lot of uses. This kind of a telescope back in the day would be called a captain's glass. Some would call it a spy glass or a pirate's telescope or a captain's glass. And what this would be used for is, you know, the, the captain of the ship, he's got to be able to look ahead and see, are there some rocks that we need to avoid because they would wreck this vessel? <laughs> or, or look out and, and find that's where the entrance is to the bay for the port that we're trying to get to. Or sometimes uh, to, to peer ahead and, and see there's a vessel approaching. But what kind, what kind of flag? Is it friend or foe? And to distinguish and know the difference. And if you will, your faith is like that. Your faith gives you a capacity to see beyond what's immediately visible. Your faith gives you a capacity to perceive the things that you need to not run into because they'll wreck you. Your faith gives you an ability to, to see in the direction ahead where it is that you're actually meant to be going. Your faith gives you a capacity uh, to see what's coming your way. Friend or foe, is it from the Lord? Is it something from the enemy of your soul that's said to destroy and to, to discern, to know the difference? And maybe then to make some corrections in the, in the course that you're running. This is valuable. Your faith is valuable. God's word says in the book of Peter that your faith is more valuable than gold itself. And so I want you to think about your faith today. We're going to turn uh, in just a moment, not quite yet, but to Hebrews chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I, I want you to understand that your faith gives you a capacity to do life differently. Here you are on planet Earth in the job where you currently are with the people you're currently with, and, and you're going to keep taking steps until you breathe your last. You will. And it's right. It's excellent, and I believe that God wants for you to learn how to take your steps in a new kind of way, or to remind some of you who are believers how he loves to see you stride, and it's a stride of faith. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by 
faith and not by sight. I want you to read this with me. Ready? Say it. Go. For we walk by faith, not by sight. One more time. Say it. We walk by faith, not by sight. God is saying, my people are meant to be a little bit different. And my people are meant to remember that they have a capacity that I've given to them that makes a different kind of perception possible. When it says we walk by faith, not by sight, it's not by sight limited to what's immediately visible. Your faith makes a different kind of perception possible. And I want to talk today about the power of walking by faith. Last week, we started this series where we're taking Hebrews chapter 11, and we're working through it segment by segment. And we came from the first, uh, the first eight verses to a recognition of the fact that, that our faith enables us first and foremost to receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and then gives us the capacity to live our lives in such a way that we can please God. That that's priority number one of your faith. Faith is not, hey, I got this magical juju so I can make things materialize and manifest. It's not that. And we got to, that's not it at all. Your faith is about you first and foremost receiving salvation in Jesus Christ and then living it out finding out what pleases the Lord and having a capacity to do it. And we, we, we came to this conclusion last week that my priority, my priority, it, my faith-fueled priority is pleasing God. That's where we began last week. And then today we're going to talk about, about the power of walking by faith. And this is my message in a nutshell today. By faith, I look forward. By faith, I walk on. By faith, I look forward. By faith, I walk on. Why don't you try this phrase on for a moment? Say it with me. By faith, I look forward. By faith, I walk on. This is something that I hope that you'll catch a vision for in this message today. So we're about to get to Hebrews 11. And here's, here's what we did last week. We, we saw the life of Abel and Enoch and Noah and the disposition of a desire to please God that they lived with. And we're saying, sign me up for that. I want to please you, God. Amen. It's a different orientation altogether, isn't it? I want to please you, God. If I have faith in me, it has a a first and primary purpose. And it isn't to make me get what I want. It's to please you, God. Let's make sure we're on the same place in terms of where we started this journey together. That please you, God. That's, that's where I wake up. That's where I begin. So, so after Noah, there was about ah, 400 years or so, and you get to this uh, moment with the, the Tower of Babel, and people are dispersed. And then, all of a sudden, Abraham shows up. And he kind of shows up almost out of nowhere in Hebrews 11, or, or sorry, Genesis 11. And Abraham's important. Abraham becomes definitive for all of us who uh, hold on to the Judeo-Christian faith, family. And we regard Abraham as a father of faith. And Abraham's important, and it's important for you, if you never have thought much about him, to think about what happened through Abraham's life. And so we'll jump to Hebrews 11:8 right now. So it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, 
for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. All these people died, still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Mm. I read about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then it says, and then a whole nation of people. And it's a, there's this summary that we just read. It's a summary statement of like a people of faith. And it, it indicates that people of faith have a way of, of looking at what's going on and saying, this isn't all there is. I don't have to settle for status quo. It can be better. I mean, that's right at the, at the heart of what it means to walk by faith is to recognize it can be better. It even uses those words in verse 16. I'll go back there again. It said in verse 16, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. Why don't you read these words out loud with me? Ready? Read. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. This is the way it can be with God's people, looking for a better place, looking for a better place, looking for how the goodness of a heaven could actually be part of what I'm stepping through here and now. I want to remind you of who you are, that you are people of faith, people who have a capacity because you've been regenerated, born again, of having a connection with your heavenly father, where the power of God can rise up in you to see things differently. And this is what God's people do, is we look forward by faith. By faith, I look forward. By faith, I walk on. I want you to say that one more time. By faith, I look forward. By faith, I walk on. I look forward. And here's what it is. I recognize right here and now, there's a problem, there's a challenge, there's a dilemma, there's a situation, there's these issues, and it's like I'm surrounded by them. But by faith, I, I pop up, I rise up, and I do one of these. And with my faith, I look forward. Amen. I look beyond the immediate issue and circumstance. And when I do, when I look forward like that, you know what happens? It, it says they were looking for, for, for that heavenly homeland, the heavenly 
country. There was something inside of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and all the rest that said, I'm looking forward to something that God has. And when I look forward in faith like this, I begin to catch a glimpse of something. I catch a glimpse of the radiance of the brightness of the throne room of heaven. And I'm reminded that I serve a mighty God and that he's got my back and that this situation right here, this dilemma, and nothing but a thing. And I can handle that thing because he's got a hand on me. When I look forward forward in my faith, I catch a glimpse of my heavenly father. And I catch a a sense of the delight he has in me simply because I believe in him. And I I, I catch a a glimpse of the love in his eyes for me. And when I I look forward in my faith beyond, and I look towards that heavenly country, that heavenly reality, when I remember Philippians 3.20 tells me my citizenship is in heaven, that means my authority comes from heaven, that means the power that I need to deal with this stuff and every demonic layer over it comes from heaven. And so I'm going to do this as much as I can. I'm going to look forward in faith and say, God, I believe you. God, I trust in you. This isn't all there is. There's so much more. And I'm looking forward by faith. Say it one more time. By faith, I look forward. By faith, I walk on. Say it with me. By faith, I look forward. By faith, I walk on. Say it. By faith, I look forward. By faith, I walk on. And you're going to need to keep walking on. You're going to need to be able to do this. And let me, let me take you back to, back to Abraham for a moment. Verse 10, it says, by faith, oh, sorry, verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even though he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. He was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Abraham Abraham was... Abraham was part of a family. And Joshua 24.2 says that Abraham's family was serving other gods. You might think, oh, Abraham, father of faith, everything must have been so great. No, and then you read his story and you discover, no, his whole family were, were unbelievers and people who were, who, were, who were pagans in so many different kinds of ways. And yet somehow, God chose Abraham. Not because he came from a perfect family, but because God wanted to make a new perfect family. And God chose Abraham. And if you think about it, Abraham is, he comes from Ur of the Chaldees. That's like way out in the middle of the Middle East. And if you look at the globe, you think about this this people that lived there, not quite European, not quite East Asian, not quite Indian, not quite African but, but somehow able to represent all of us. And God chose him, and then God spoke to him. And it's Genesis, Genesis 12 is where God speaks to him. It says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I want you to take note of this. God gave Abraham, a revelation of good that was in his future. God does that. Can you accept that premise? That God is able and desires to give his people 
a revelation about the good that is possible in the future for us. He does that. He does that. He did that for Abraham. And Abraham, it's interesting, he, he made this journey, started out in the Ur of the Chaldees, but his father said, we're going to go, we're going to move. And then they uh, settled in, in Terah, and then Abraham kept going, and he went and settled in a place called Haran. And Haran, Haran is in modern-day Turkey, about 250 miles from the place in Turkey that's breaking our hearts right now because of all the devastation with the earthquakes. I just want you to realize that this, what happened with this man happened in a very real place that in this current week is in the news for us. And so he's there in Haran, modern-day Turkey, but God speaks to him and says, leave. Let's go. But, but look at the words that God spoke to him. Verse 1, Genesis 12, 1. It said that the Lord, the Lord said to Abram, why don't you say God's words out loud with me? Ready, go. Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. If I'm Abraham, I'm thinking, oh, you, you want me to leave everything? Just leave. Everything I know? I would be willing, but how about, can you, can you show me where it is on the map? Can we talk about the exact destination? And here's something I understand is that God, a lot of times, the, the way he works in our lives is that he gives us a sense of direction, but not necessarily the exact destination. Because what kind of faith would it take if we knew exactly where the end game was going anyway? And God, God is pleased to see us live and walk and move by faith. And so he says to Abraham, you go to the land that I will show you. As in, you start, you start walking, and then I'll start showing. <laughs> but let's go. And I wonder if maybe there are some of us that, that God wants to do some things in our lives, but we're, we, we are waiting. You know, it all has to line up first. If Abraham had tried to, tried to do all the math first and said, I'm not doing anything until the math works out, we wouldn't know God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and so I think maybe for some of us, we need to allow our spirit to be a bit more fluid, to, to be a bit more receptive to the revelation God might want to give about the direction and even the motivation. God's so good, he spoke to Abraham and said, I want to bless you. I'm going to bless other people through you. How's that? If you're Abraham, you're going, oh, that sounds amazing. God's okay with that. He's glad to see you experience revelation and motivation that would allow you to move in a direction. But you're going to have to walk with him to get to the destination. And so this is what walking by faith is about. It's about, it's about you standing in a here and now moment, recognizing the realities and the limitations of it, but yet somehow rising up and being in the spirit and looking forward. Yeah. Looking forward and recognizing where God wants to bring you, what God wants to do in and through your life. And, and, and Abraham did that. Abraham didn't have a lot of details, but somehow he wrestled through it. I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to leave everything I'm comfortable with. I'm going to leave everything I know. I don't even know exactly where God's taking me, but... God, I trust you. Would you just say this phrase, God, I trust you? What you just said is the essence of faith. God, I trust you. Not sure how this is going to work out, but I 
see you. You're the mighty God. You're Yahweh Sabaoth. I see you now. You're the Lord who is mighty in battle. I believe you're going to fight for me. I see you now. You are Yahweh Jireh, God who provides for me. So I'm looking and I'm seeing the truth of who you are in that heavenly country. I'm catching a glimpse of you and, and you are El Roi, the God who sees me. And so you see what's going on right here. I catch a glimpse of you when I look forward by faith and I see who you are and I know you've got me and I know I can keep walking on right where I am because of who you are. This is what God's calling some of us into, is to a moment where we trust God. And it says in Romans 4, 3, that when Abraham trusted God, God counted that as righteousness. It says, the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, say the last part with me, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Say that last part again, God counted him righteous because of his doing everything right and checking all of the religious boxes and going to temple enough times and making sure to volunteer. It, it isn't. God looks at Abraham, and of course, all of those other things are great, but, but God's looking at something deeper, what's going on in his heart, and God's question is, do you know me and do you trust me? And Abraham's answer was, I know you, and I can trust you, and I do. And God looks at that and says, righteous. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's my 90s child showing through or something. What was the name of that turtle in that one movie that said that? That guy. I don't know why that came to my mind. It's not a prophetic thing either. It's just rabbit trail. Abraham, Abraham trusted God. Abraham trusted God. And, and he went. That's the essence of this story. But I want to clarify something. I think all of us are meant to have some Abraham moments in our lives. But don't get it twisted and think that it always means that you got to pack up all your boxes and move to Texas, Florida, Idaho, Tennessee, you know, all, all that. It's not. For, for some of you, the most holy and awesome faith move you could make would be to stay, to stay and shine and be salty because this place needs stayers. Abraham called Stayers, like a willingness to say, yep, this is a challenge, this is difficult, but God, I trust you, I'm staying. That would be, for some of us, maybe the most noble Abraham-type calling we could live out. I remember a time, this was about 15 years ago, for me personally, another, I've had several of these, but an Abraham calling kind of moment, but it happened like this. Here I am leading our church, and at that time, we, we were a pretty small and struggling church, and there was a lot of painful things that were happening, a lot of stress, a lot of division. It didn't seem like we were moving forward well, and I was just dying inside. And, and then a friend called me, and this friend said, oh, how are things going? I described it, and then he said, oh, well... I'd like to invite you to come be my number two guy. And this, this church that he was leading with thousands of people and everything was amazing kind of a situation. At least it sounded that way from a distance. <laughs> but I, I heard that. And, and when he was inviting me and in the middle of all of this pain and struggle, I just felt like I wanted to start going, hallelujah, God, God has heard my cries. And, and, I, and I, for a minute, thought about, well, this, this would solve my problems. I could just get out of here. This would be great. <laughs> Abraham calling. And I felt like God was saying, no, it's not. You want an Abraham calling? See if you've got the faith and the guts to stay. You, you think you're going to go somewhere good? How about you make here good? 
it, work with me, walk with me, and by faith, let's see what, what we can do. It was that kind of a moment, and it, and it was definitely an Abraham calling kind of moment, but it didn't require, it, my walking on wasn't about walking somewhere else. It was about walking on right where I was in another step. And I wanted to tell somebody today, this may be God's call to you as well, that you are called to, by faith, stay and walk on right in the midst of where you are, believing that God can actually make the family healthy again, believing that your actual situation with your business can work out by God's power rising up in you, and that you can see different and better happen. Because why? Because you're looking forward by faith. You're looking forward by faith. I got to keep reading. I want to talk to you about Sarah. It says in verse 11, that by faith, even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and she was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. This is, this, this Sarah, Abraham's wife, was 90 years old. And even the Bible says, yeah, she was as good as dead. I mean, I didn't say that. God's word said that. I don't know about how you want to describe somebody like that. It sounds kind of cold, kind of rough, trash talking in that way. But God's word says it. She's as good as dead. But she had something inside her saying, yeah, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. Because he, he really does do things that are impossible. He really does pierce through the continuum of nature's laws to bring his kingdom into the realm of men and women. And, and, and Sarah's barrenness was a prophetic picture of hopelessness. And into hopeless moments, God deposits a revelation that causes something to rise up in a man or a woman of God who would believe him. And then that creates the possibility for a new direction and ultimately even a new destination. And so Sarah somehow was able to say, I trust God. And in verse 13, it continues. It says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance, and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do those words sound at all familiar to you? He has prepared a city for them. And Jesus speaks and says, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and the place that Jesus is talking about, it's heaven. And, and the place that's referred to here in Hebrews 11, it's heaven. And it says that these people, even though they didn't even know it, were looking forward to heaven. I don't think Abraham could have articulated it exactly like that. But God says, nevertheless, there was something happening deeper in his heart beyond what he could even have put into words, that he was looking forward to something that he, he could not even articulate. He was looking forward by faith, and yes, part of it was for his own lifespan to move into Canaan land, the promised land. But beyond that, there was always and is always something deeper God is doing. 
inside of any man or woman who would look forward. Yes, he wants for you to see that there can be better in the circumstance, better in your life. But beyond that, it's about you looking heavenward. It's about you looking heavenward. But think about this with me. Heaven is not, if you can think of this with me, it's not like an island out in the Pacific somewhere that you're just trying to maybe one day get to. Heaven is a, a realm, the kingdom of heaven. It's a realm that is constantly and always present. And sometimes we get the idea that looking forward in faith towards that heavenly country is only about some distant chronology. But I want you to understand that looking forward by faith is about recognizing how present the dimension of God's rule and reign always is and can be for any man or woman who would take the time to get in the presence of God and perceive it. So how do you look forward by faith? You got to still the noise, number one. You, you got to turn off the noise. So much noise in our lives is going to keep us from actually perceiving by faith. Got to turn off the noise. And number two, you got to get in God's presence. And I don't know how many of you know how to do this. I actually feel concerned. I really do. If I'm your pastor, I'm wondering, I wish I could ask you, like, do you know how to get in the presence of God for 10 minutes and just like experience him? Maybe some of you do, but maybe a lot of you don't. I want this for you. If you need help with this, get our prayer team to help you, pray over you to get there. You get into the presence of God. And then third, you listen. You develop a spiritual discipline of going, what do you have for me, God? And then you, you, you write it down. If it's God showing you something, it's worth writing down in a note in your phone, in a journal with a pen, but you write it down. And then number five, you find some trusted spiritual mentors that you can share that stuff with and say, I think God's showing me something. What do you think? What do you think? And you let them bring the light of scripture to what you think God is saying. And then you, then, then you make a move. You walk on. But this is what we're made for, what I just described. And it's, it's you living in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 reality. We walk faith, not by sight. But somebody's got to do it sometimes. You got to feel the, the sense inside of like, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm not sure exactly. I can't guarantee the outcome here. But God, I trust you. Some of the best things in life come from moments like that. I'm praying that you would receive moments like that where you get the sense God is showing you something and you, got, you feel a little shaky even about how it's going to go, but, but you're getting ready to take that step. Ultimately, here's what we live in. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, say it with me, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is where God wants to take you. One more time, this whole verse. I want you to read the whole thing out loud with me. Say it. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I, I live by faith. Faith. I have, a, I have a, a capacity for perception that goes far beyond what's immediately visible around me. 
I have a capacity to see and catch a glimpse of my heavenly father and his love for me, and it melts all of the brokenness and heals me. I have a capacity by faith to look forward in the spirit and to see the mightiness of my God and his shielding around me, and it's so much greater than whatever affliction and attack the devil was throwing at me. And by faith, I get to look forward and recognize I've been crucified with Christ. My ego and all of my flesh and everything that it wants to get for itself doesn't have to reign. Jesus, alive in me, gets to reign. That's how I want to live. Somebody say, that's how I want to live. I want to live Christ in me, the hope of glory. I want to live no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. The life I now live, I live by faith in the... Come on. This is who you and me are meant to be. And so I want to take a moment and just pray together that God would stir up some, some holy faith in some of our lives. So let's pray. God, I pray that you would move in our lives and that like Abraham, even though Abraham came with a family that was pagans and unbelievers and everything was not perfect, nevertheless, you got a hold of Abraham. <laughs> And you gave Abraham revelation. You talked to him about good things in his future. And you allowed that to be for him motivation. And, and then you showed him direction. There was still a lot of details that were missing. You didn't show him the destination, but you gave him the direction. I pray, Father, for some of us right here, right now, to receive some revelation from heaven. While we're sitting and praying together, for some of you, the revelation that you need to receive today is the one that we just read in Galatians 2.20, where it said, he loves me and gave himself for me. For someone, I think that's what you need to hear today, that you're loved by God. And there's nothing that you have done or could do that would take away God's love for you through Christ. He, he loved you and gave himself for you. That's the revelation. For somebody, you need that revelation. I'm, I'm really pleading with you. For somebody, you, you have gotten a warped sense of your own identity, and you've thought about yourself as, a, as trash, worthless, no good, and all of that is a bunch of baloney from the devil. And you need right now to be able to say, I received this, this simple truth, God, that you loved me. For somebody, really, today, that is what you need to latch on to. God, I believe that you loved me. You gave yourself for me. Maybe you could even say those words, you loved me. You gave yourself for me. If you put Galatians 2.20 back up on the screen for a moment, help me out with that. The, the whole entire verse is an invitation. Galatians 2.20 that says, for I no longer live. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm going to keep that on the screen for a moment. For someone, this is what I hope that you'll get today, is that there's an opportunity for you to be totally transformed. Christ, who broke the power of death, who rose from the dead, alive in you. Can you imagine what that would be like? The purity, goodness, awesomeness, holiness, love of Christ, Jesus, flowing inside of you? It can happen in an instant. 
And, and it, it's really something that's offered to you. This uh, is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's an invitation. And the life I now live in the body, I live by, the next verse part says, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Son of God who, say it, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the revelation, somebody, you just need to today go, okay, I'll receive that. This revelation changes the whole direction of your eternal experience. So in this moment, while we're all praying together, if you're sitting here saying, I, I don't even know all of what that means, but I, do, I want that. I want that. That love of Christ for me, I want that. This moment is a moment where you can receive it. You can, in this moment, choose to put your faith in Christ. It will not happen by autopilot. It's not something someone else can choose for you. It, this is a, it's like a gift that's offered, and it's just offered with love and anticipation of what can happen if you'd receive it, but you, you kind of got to reach out and go, yes, thank you. This is that moment for you. Do you want to ask Jesus to forgive your sins and save your life? Because I think that for someone, that's what needs to happen right now. And if you're sitting here, you could be joining us online, or you're on the patio, or you're right here in this room, and, and in this moment, you're saying, I, I need this. How do I do this? You say yes to Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive your sins and save you. That's what you do. You, you come to him right now. So, Father, I pray for a spiritual awakening for somebody in this moment, and that you would uh, allow that, that miracle to happen of forgiveness of sins and salvation in Jesus. Would you do it, God? Would you do it, God? While we're praying together, if you're sitting here saying, I want that, I want to say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive my sins and save my life, right now I want you to raise your hand with me. It's, it's your moment. Just raise it high. Keep it up for a moment. Right here in the middle, in the, in the back. It's awesome. If there's anyone else in my right in the back over here, anyone else, keep your hand up high right here in, the, in my right in the back. Thank you. I want to make sure I connect with you. This is over here in the left. Thank you. Excellent. If there's anyone else, if you're joining online or you're outside, let it be known. Type it in. Say, I want to say yes to Jesus today. And right now, would you pray with me? You had your hand raised. That's good. Would you pray with me? You might say something like this. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Everything starts there. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You can say it with me. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I, I, I repent of my sin, and Jesus, I turn to you. Would you forgive my sin and save my life? Jesus, I believe that you're alive that you rose from the dead. So would you come into my life and take charge? And just say it to him, Jesus Christ, I'm yours. I'm yours, Jesus Christ, I'm yours. And you, you are my Lord, my Savior from this moment on. Thank you for new life, God. Would, would just with every voice, just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're working salvation among people in and through what happens here. And Holy Spirit, we want to say, what else? Is there anything else you have for us? We don't want to miss anything. We don't want to miss anything. Holy Spirit, what else do you have? Is there anything else? We just want to make sure we're giving you all the space to do whatever you want. I mean, right where you're sitting, you could just begin to say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Just, Holy Spirit, I welcome you in every way in my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Maybe say it with me, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. 
What do you want to do, God? Okay, so I, in the spirit, instantly saw this picture. I'll share it with you. Uh, when the scripture describes that um, people will see visions, sometimes it's something like this. And I, I saw you sitting in your barber's chair, and you're, you're cutting people's hair. And it's, it's like what God says is that those moments are holy moments, and, and to trust him for his anointing on the holiness that he wants to impart into people just because they sit in your chair. This is a very specific word, but it's like God is saying, I need you there. I need you there. I need you there. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, is there anything else? I just want to make sure that we can hear from you and receive from you any good thing that you have for us. Mm. Okay, so I'm praying, just paying attention in that moment, right? And I just get in the back of my mind this word, hamstring, hamstring. And I, for me, that's just an indicator that God's saying, I'm going to touch somebody, bring healing to hamstring. Of all the things, right? Why that? I don't know, but I'm going to go with it. And so if you're here today and your, your hamstrings are jacked up in ways that I don't know how to describe medically, but they're bad and they're, they're, they're messed up. If that's you and you just know, I need, I need healing, hamstring. Would you just raise your hand? I mean, I know it's a bold thing, but keep your hand up and raise it up. Thank you. Just keep it up for a moment. And our prayer team, keep your hand up. Our prayer team, ministry team, or center point people that believe in Jesus Christ to heal right now, you lay a hand on that person. If you don't want anyone to lay a hand on you, put your hand down. But a couple of people right over here, keep that hand up. It's such an amazing thing, even when we raise a hand to acknowledge, like, yes, like, this is not what I wanted to do, raising my hand in church, but I do want the touch of God. So somebody else, just start praying. Maybe you're far away, but you're just sitting here going, man, this is exciting. What could God do right now? And just pray from your seat. Be church for a moment. And if someone else put their hand up because their hamstring is needing more of a touch, I, just come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Th this, is, this is what I know about Jesus. The Jesus went around, it says in Acts 10.38, doing good and healing all those who are under the power of the devil. And so I know for some of us, it's like, oh, this seems weird. It doesn't seem weird for Jesus, though. It's kind of normal in the kingdom of God. So, right, so others, you're not nearby, but right now, would you just lift your voice and begin to say, Holy Spirit, would you touch these bodies with healing? These hamstrings right here need a touch. Those hamstrings, <laughs> that hamstring needs a touch. This one over here, God, Holy Spirit, come. These hamstrings need a touch. Hmm. So, Father, thank you that you're doing something mighty in this moment. Okay, now, everybody, would you all stand up? All stand up together. All stand up, including those who just got prayed for. Okay, so there were four or five people we prayed for for healing in the hamstrings. And here's what I think. I think that for some of you, the moment you stood up, you could feel it's different. It, it's better. The pain is gone. The inflammation is gone. And, and the, the range of motion is back and you're not in searing pain right now. If that's true for you, if you would say, I, I don't even know how, but he did it. He touched me. He healed me. I want you to raise two hands. Two hands. Two hands. Come on. Come on. Celebrate that. Like, two hands over here. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, so 
I know, it's weird. It's like, well, what about the other two that we prayed for? I'm not sure. I don't know. But we just keep pressing and we keep asking and we keep praying and we celebrate the breakthroughs as they happen and know that they are first fruits of more to come. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Others of you, you need prayer, just come up to the front and let somebody lay hands on you and pray for you. I believe God's moving. Don't miss what he wants to do. Let him be the one who, who brings that motion, that movement into your life. Let him be king to you. Let him be. Why don't you sing that out? Lead us out.